0: big things that everybody does on New Year's is make New Year's resolutions. And uh, some of the big ones, of course, whenever you make a New Year's resolutions, most people say things like, well, this year I'm going to go to the gym. You know, I'm going to work out more. Uh, How many of y'all are members just by chance, and you have been for a while? I'm not talking about you guys that just joined like last week. How many of y'all are members of the Y? Why? Any of y'all members of the In this year, like your favorite time of year, like when there's like 7,000 people that are going to be there all through January. So we just hold out, we wait till February, and uh, just wait for you guys just to drop off like flies. So, anyway, so y'all, we make resolutions. We're going to get in better shape this year. We're going to eat better. Uh, we're going to be nicer to people. All these different resolutions. And the question is why do we make these resolutions every year? And it comes down to something that's rather simple. It's because we're broken. You know, we're messed up. We have to make these every year. If we weren't broken, we would make these resolutions once, and then we'd like keep them for the rest of our lives. But we don't do that. And so intrinsically, there's just something that is, that is not quite right deep within our spirit, deep within, within the way that we live. And that's true for you, and it's true for me. And so I thought, man, just a great way for us to kick off the new year is to look and see that, first of all, God recognizes that we're broken. I mean, he understands that we are people who are in need of mending in many different areas of life. And we are people that some of you have just some little fine cracks in your life, others of you have gaping holes in your life, and you are busted up. And then I look in our text, and we see today that one thing that is pointed out, Jeremiah the prophet points this out, is that there is a story of the potter and the clay. And the potter, the guy who works with the clay, is representative of God, and the clay represents people. And any time you have clay, there's always going to be something not quite right with it. Well, that's us. It's people. And so what I want us to understand today is that, that even though we are people who are broken, who have cracks, some of us cracks, some of us big gaping cracks and holes in our lives, that God is the potter and he has the ability as we begin this new year to do a work in your life to where he can mend you and make you right and whole and turn you into a vessel that can be used and be productive in your life. Now, again, the fact is we all have brokenness. There's brokenness all around us. I hear about brokenness all the time. But the thing I hang on to is that God can mend brokenness. So if you have your Bible, we're going to look in Jeremiah chapter 18, uh, verses 1 through 6 in just a few moments. If you're curious about the, where the book of Jeremiah is, uh, seriously, go right to the middle of your Bible. Right in the middle, and turn a little bit right. It's just a couple of books or a few books over to the right from the book of Psalms, and there we will be able to to read about this or read this story that's given. Now Jeremiah is the man who uh, was wrote this section of scripture. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet, and I'm going to be really honest with you. Anytime you hear somebody who's known as the weeping anything. Uh, typically he's not a guy that you're going to think, oh, I bet you he's a lot of fun. You know, I bet you that he's a guy that I'd like to hang out with and hear lots of stories from. If you read through the book of Jeremiah, you're going to read through it and think this is one of the most depressing books I've ever read. And it is, but it's a truthful book. And Jeremiah pointed out to the people, uh, he was living at a time before King Nebuchadnezzar was getting ready from Babylon, getting ready to attack Israel. Now, if y'all, what do you know about Nebuchadnezzar? Uh, you remember that he was the guy who was king, and he had taken captives from Israel, and he threw three guys in a fiery furnace. Y'all remember that story? Is that familiar? Y'all, who were the three guys? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right, y'all doing good. And so this is who we're talking about here. And so Jeremiah is pointing out to the people of Judah, he's saying, you're broken, and God's going to judge you unless you allow God to mend your life. Now, how were they broken? They were broken in that they were seeking after their own ways. They were seeking after other gods. And Jeremiah said, Listen, whenever you have those kind of cracks in your life, boy, you're going to you're going to bust up and break. So you need to allow God to begin the process of mending in your lives. Now, as usual, when you read through Scripture, people are real stubborn. And people didn't listen, to, they didn't listen to Jeremiah, and they continued to live in their brokenness, which is, that, I, my hope is, that's not what we're going to do. They, they did not allow God to mend them as the potter in their life. So what happened? Well, they went into slavery for 70 years. They lost their homeland. So again, this is a, this is a depressing story But in the midst of this depressing story, we see Jeremiah talk about people's brokenness and that there's a God who can mend that brokenness as the potter and us as the clay. Now, what can we learn about brokenness? There's a few things I just want us to see today. And the first thing I want us to see today about brokenness is that all of us, everybody in this room, we are all damaged goods. Do you know that? And I, I, don't, I don't want to amen that. Man, that makes me nervous. I like to say, y'all are damaged goods. But you know what? We are. We are. Everybody here is damaged goods. And that's what we see in this story. Go back and look at verse number one. It says, this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down at once to the potter's house, and there I'll reveal my words to you. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, working away at the wheel. But the jar that he was making, and this is interesting, the jar that he was making from the clay became flawed in the potter's hand. So he made it into another jar as it seemed right for him to do. And God told Jeremiah, he said, I want you to go down to uh, the Valley of Hinnom, which is in uh, south of Jerusalem, and I'm sure I have a slide of it, but I won't show you. But south of Jerusalem, he says, go down there, and he says, there I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to reveal something to you. So he goes down there, and he goes down there, and there's a potter. That's working. What is the potter working with? He's working with clay, which makes sense. But as he's working with the clay, Jeremiah's watching. God's speaking to him. He's watching. And the potter, as he works with the clay, he, he notices that the clay's messed up. Uh, the clay is, is in such a shape that he's not able to make it into the kind of vessel that he wants to make it into. Now, whenever I read that, I saw I said, "You know, what does it mean to be flawed? It means to be ruined. It means to be spoiled." Now, it wasn't that the potter spoiled the clay; it's just the clay was spoiled. The clay was messed up on its own. And again, this is a picture. God represents the potter. People were the clay. So, what does this mean? Mean? It means that it means this. It means that we are all we are all marred, just like the clay in the story. Now, is it that God? Made us this way, that God made us screwed up? No. See, the Bible tells us that in our nature, we are objects of God's wrath. In our nature, we don't choose to be obedient to the leadership of God. So we are naturally marred. Now, I don't know a whole lot about clay. And I start thinking, what are my experiences with clay? The only experience I have with clay, really, a hands-on experience, is Play-Doh. You know, I mean, y'all, we all, y'all remember Play-Doh. I remember you had those little, those little yellow cans, different color lids, and you pull it out, it's got that kind of, you know, that little smell, you know, when I'm talking about Play-Doh smell, and it's really soft, and we all knew weird kids that you would eat it. Y'all remember that? Uh, I was not one of them, but there's always those strange kids, you might have been one. But, but one thing I do remember is that mom would tell us, whenever you got finished playing with the Play-Doh, what are you supposed to do? You put it back in the canister and put the lid on. Now, what happens if you don't? Yeah, see, y'all all all know this. Yeah, it gets hard and crumbly. Have you ever tried to work with Play-Doh like that? I mean, you know, because I remember that. You know, it'd be all hard and weird, and you'd like grab it, and then it would like crumble in your hands. Well, that's the clay in our text. It was marred. It was worthless. And so the imagery being used in our text is that we're the same way. That we as clay... It's not that the potter did anything wrong. It's just that that clay gets it gets dried out. It crumbles. It's damaged goods. And we are damaged goods because of sin. Romans 3.23 lets us know that we are all damaged goods. And we all know this when we mention this a lot in church. For all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Now, it's really easy to look around and say, well, I know that I'm damaged goods, but I'm not as damaged as that guy. And, you know, so therefore God will, he ought to be able to work with me more than that guy, because that guy's really screwed up. But you know what? Ruined ruined clay is just that. It's it's ruined clay. Listen to what James 2.10 says. It says, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Isn't that interesting? You can keep the whole law, but if you just break one, one command, the Bible says you are guilty of breaking all of it. Now, to me, that is not fair. You know, if I do a pretty good job, then I think I ought to get some credit. But you know what God's looking for? God's looking for perfection. He's looking for clay that is not marred. And that is not good news. Why is that not good news? Because there is no one. Who is who, who lives up to that standard from God Romans three ten through twelve there's no one righteous if you think you're righteous and you 're good on your own, listen there is no one righteous, no, not even one. there's no one who understands. there is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They've together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. What does that mean? It means when God is working with clay, he's looking for clay that has no cracks, that is not flawed for people of perfection. So in other words, God demands from our lives a a bullseye every time in life. Now, I can hit a bullseye maybe occasionally, but every time? You know, when I was a kid, one of my favorite... I don't. I can't say sportsman, but entertainers maybe. Evil Knievel. evil. I mean, you can't get a cooler name than that. My name is Evil. Uh, so yeah, Evil can And uh, when I was a kid, I had the little action figure doll. I called him a doll this morning, so I, I was told I needed to change that to action figure. So I had the action figure doll with the motorcycle, and you would, I'd, you know, I'd wind him up and let him go, and he'd jump the ramp, and uh, which was great. But one of my favorite. I remember being really excited as a kid the Snake River Canyon Jump, and, and for those of you who are older than like, you know, maybe Ice 40, you remember that, and he was on television, and watching on TV, so excited, he was in a rocket, he's supposed to go over the canyon, if you remember, it's the most anticlimactic thing I've ever seen, he goes up, and then he goes straight down, I mean, it was like awful, I was like, oh my, then that's why we don't do live TV that much, and so he goes up and down, and you're like, that was not a good effort. It could have at least gone another 300 feet and would have made it a little more entertaining. But it was just so disappointing. But here's the fact. The fact is it didn't matter if he missed the jump by 5,000 feet or 5 feet. And if you miss, you miss, Right? It doesn't matter if you miss it by 5,000 feet or if you just simply miss it by 5 feet. And the same thing is true concerning our lives. Whether you have big craters of faults in your lives or just little tiny cracks. With God, a miss is a miss. And so when a potter is working with the clay, he has to make sure the clay he's working with doesn't have defects in it. Because even if there's fine little cracks in it, the clay will be weakened, and it's in those weak or in those cracks where eventually breaks are going to take place. So what does God do? Well, He is looking for clay that is all put together. Now, are you put together? Yeah, is is your is your life an offering to God in such a way where God can take your life and He can shape you and mold you into the vessel of that He wants you to be. You know, that's what we talk about God has a plan for your life. You know, God God's plan for your life is to be able to mold you and to shape you into a vessel that He will use for His glory, not yours, not mine, but for His glory. Now, I think I think a lot of us we we live in denial a lot of times. We think I'm okay with God. I don't need to worry about it. You know, I come to church. I'm a nice guy, do more good things than bad things, fairly moral person. But remember, God's not looking for a pretty good piece of clay. God is looking for perfection. That's scary. Because why? None of us fits the bill. All right, now the good news is the message doesn't end here, because that would be depressing. But there's something that we need to understand. We are all damaged goods. And and that's the point. Jeremiah is getting across to the people. They were living in self-righteousness. They live in Jerusalem. It's where the temple is. They feel good. God's here. Jeremiah's like, oh, God is not here. You are unrighteous. You're unholy. You need to recognize that. Because then we come to the good news here. And this is what Jeremiah shares in the midst of a message of judgment Jeremiah says about our brokenness, he says, understand that though that there is hope for renewal. Even with the brokenness in your life, God can renew you. And he can restore you, which is good news for us as we celebrate a new year. And we're looking for a new start. Look with me in verse number 4. It says, but the jar that he was making from the clay became flawed in the potter's hand, so he made it into another jar, as it seemed right for him to do. Jeremiah noticed that whenever the potter's working with the clay, that the clay is messed up. It's ruined. And in its present state, the potter, he couldn't use it. Now, typically what happens to clay, and I had to read about this, is that clay becomes dehydrated. It loses its water. And so it needs to be rehydrated. You, don't have, you don't have, uh, Now, this is one thing that is good as a side note. When the potter saw the clay was messed up, and look back, if you have your Bible, look in verse 4 again. When, when the potter saw the clay was messed up, what did he do with the clay? Yeah, okay, he, he continued to work with it. He's going to add water to it. He didn't take it and say, well, this is a piece of garbage, and chunk it out so say, I'm going to get some more clay. Aren't you glad God didn't do that with us? And he doesn't look at us and say, you know what, he's got too many cracks in his life. He's, I, I'm not using him anymore. What does he do? He refashions him. He reshapes the clay. And the way you reshape clay when it becomes dehydrated is you have to add water to it. And so what they do, what potters will do is they will, um, and so I've been told, so i read about this, so I'm wrong. It's This is a good story anyway. So, so they, they cut holes in the clay. And then they'll put it in water and leave it in water for days. And then it becomes rehydrated and they can begin to reshape it. Now sometimes that doesn't even work. And so what the potter will do is he'll pull out a hammer. And he'll pull out the hammer and he will beat that clay. And try to beat the stuffing out of it so that it will get soft again. And then he puts it in water for weeks. Now my goal for you and for me, let's not wait for the hammer. You know? Uh, let's become pliable. But, but God doesn't throw us out. Instead, he wants to reshape us so that he can use us again. Now, I believe one of the biggest obstacles that a lot of us have in our relationship with God is there's those times when we get, we get dehydrated, so to speak, in our relationship with God, and it just feels very dry. You know, have you ever, ever had those times, you don't have to answer out loud, but those times where you feel like, you know, when I pray, I feel like that I'm praying, but my prayers don't get any higher than the ceiling. You know, I just feel like it's just there's nothing there. Or that in my life, you know, the Bible, I can read Scripture, but it's not really like I read Scripture and and I'm allowing what God's Word says to direct and guide my life. Just do what I want. Or that when it comes to serving other people and caring about other people, I know that that's where I'm supposed to be because I know that's what God's done for me. He's cared for me and I'm to care for others. But when it comes down to it, and I'm really honest with myself, I have to think, I really don't care about people. I don't care what you're going through. I mean, I'll listen to it, but I don't really care. Now, don't answer this one, but just think about it. Have you ever felt that way before? you ever felt that way before? Now, what's going on there? Well, there there is a disconnect from our God. And so what needs to happen with us, we need to be rehydrated in our walk with God. That's what we begin a new year. That's what we're looking for. Now, the neat thing is, God doesn't throw us out and say, He's too far gone. Matter of fact, you see a demonstration of God's patience with us in 2 Peter 3 9. It says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness, but He's patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God's desire for every person, so to speak, is for them to be a part of His pottery collection. He desires for your life to count. So how do we become pliable? Well, it takes a work of God. There should be an openness on our part. Say, God, this is my this my life is your life. God, point out my life sin that I have, and it comes down to repentance. And repentance is to make a hundred and eighty degree turn from the direction you're presently heading. To say, Lord, I'm not going to go my road. But I'm going to follow your road. And it's then that God can begin to use us and mold us into what he wants us to be. It's why Jesus says in Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first, what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. It doesn't say seek your own stuff. It says seek him. And you might say, well, that, that doesn't seem right. It seems like if it's my life, I should live for me. And that seems like a drag. God's trying to shortchange me. Let me tell you something. If we follow Jesus, and I have to be reminded of this, in my own life We follow Jesus, we don't get shortchanged When we follow, when we follow self, we get shortchanged Follow Jesus It's, it's, there's, it's unbelievable Ephesians 3.20 Now to him who's able to do immeasurably More than all we can ask Or imagine According to his power that's at work within us You see when we follow God's leadership It leads to life It leads to peace and joy Forgiveness and hope God is in the business of restoration. We need restoration. A big restoration business. In you know, and, and businesses, when they move equipment, they use these wood pallets. And y'all see, you all know, see they're like crates, and you put stuff on top of them, move them. Uh, whenever they get beat up after a period of time, there's companies that come in, and well, they'll, you know, they'll try to recycle those products or that, that wood, and they'll turn it into wood chips. It's worth about $6 a ton. A guy, a businessman, a typical businessman found out about it. He said, what kind of wood do they use for those pallets? It said, hard, They use hardwoods. You know those pallets? Many of them are made out of mahogany and cherry wood, which is weird to me. And so the guy said, I'm going to do something with that. He said, I'm going to take those uh, beat-up pieces of wood, and I'm going to recycle them, restore them. Maybe I can use them into some cheaper hardwood flooring or turn it into furniture. So instead of it being worth $6 a ton as wood chips, it's worth over $6,000 a ton whenever this guy gets a hold of it. It's kind of interesting. He's in the business of restoration. God is in the business of restoration. And whenever your life is battered and beaten by sin and it's not restored, it's worth about 6 bucks a ton. And not a whole lot. But whenever God gets a hold of you. And you allow him to begin to do a work in your life and say, God, you know what? If I'm honest with you when it comes down to it, I'm done. I can't do this on my own. God can take your life and he can make something out of you. Now, now, what do we need to know about brokenness? We're all broken. We're all damaged goods. But there's hope. There's hope for renewal. And so, the last thing I want you to see. The last thing to know about brokenness is that there is healing in the hands of the potters. We begin this new year. There is healing in the hands of the potter. Last two verses I'll read to you, verses 5 and 6. It says, the word of the Lord came to me. House of Israel, can I not treat you as this potter treats the clay? How did he, how did he treat the clay? He said, this is the Lord's declaration. Just like clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, house of Israel. J- uh, Jeremiah implored the people to return to God. He said, if you don't return to God, you're going to be in trouble. You are going to be You're broken and your brokenness will crash your life. It happened. Uh, Historically, what happened is the people would never repent at this point. And so Nebuchadnezzar came in, and he set up siege works all around the city of Jerusalem. Did not let any food enter into Jerusalem. It got so desperate in Jerusalem that people had no food, they began to practice cannibalism. Y'all, it was a horrible situation. Jeremiah, this is why this book's not fun. We're talking about it's desperate. But it's a picture of what happens whenever we cut ourselves off from God. It's like siege works are set up around our lives. And the life that God wants to give to us is cut off. And we are destroyed. And we pay a price for it. We earn our wages. They earn their wages for their decision to cut God out of their lives. That's what the Bible says, Romans 6.23. What are the wages of sin? It's death. It's death. Wages of sin or death is death. Nobody wants wages like that. And here's the good news. The rest of that verse goes on to say, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. See, whenever we place our brokenness before the Lord and we call out for his mercy, God changes your payment plan. Instead of giving you what you deserve, what I deserve, which is death, he gives life. He gives us new wages. Now, here's a question as we conclude. Are you broken? I will answer it for you. Yes, you are. Yes, I am. The bigger one is, do you recognize it? Do you recognize the cracks and the craters that you have in your life? See, God's desire for you is to take your brokenness And to work it out again, to make you pliable again, so he can make you into a vessel like this potter in our text did, to make him into a useful vessel. Proverbs 3 5 and 6, and it can be scary to do that, but Proverbs 3 5 and 6 is helpful. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Don't you want to be on a straight path? You ever been on a path that's not straight? Um, for my wife, uh, my sister's husband lives in Idaho, and I'll go out there and we'll we'll hunt together. It, it's totally different hunting out there than here. It's spot and stalk, and you walk up and down mountains. You cannot, I cannot get in shape for that. I can't figure it out. I mean, I run, try to get in shape, it doesn't matter. You go up and down hills. It just absolutely is. It's to me, it's it's brutal. And you know what I'm looking for all the time? I'm looking for a straight path. I'm looking somewhere where I can walk on level ground. Why? Because it's easier. It doesn't take as much out of me. A life under the leadership of God is a straight path. Now, does this mean that it's, it's easy, hunky-dory all the time in life? No. But it's a path that is easier to travel. See, when you travel your own path, it is destructive, it will wear you out, and it leads to nowhere. But God has a path that he wants you to walk in so that he can fill the cracks and the brokenness in your life. Hey, we're all broken. We're broken. We begin a new year. That's why you make resolutions. Why make resolutions? We're broke. God says, I can fix you. God says, I can take your life, your brokenness, and make you malleable again so that you can be a vessel for the glory of God.